with Authors fans, we have some pretty big news from your host here, Erica Lance. We are moving to change the format of the show to be one episode. So there's a few episodes that record the old way that we're doing the new way. And that's what you're listening to. So thank you. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And we love having you as fans. On to the show. This podcast could potentially have adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly the possibility of sexual content. <clears throat> Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Drinking with Authors, the podcast. I am your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today is the amazing Bo Lake. And our guest today is KT Bond. Woo! <clears throat> I was just eating guacamole and chips and that just ran into me. Okay, <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about what we're drinking because mine had an explosion right before we started the podcast. I, I thought I was being so slick about this too, and I was not being very slick. So I am drinking kombucha, but it's called Buchi Kombucha. And it is, um, it's the air version and it's uh, mint pineapple and echinacea. And I maybe poured one or two shots of vodka into my cup to mix with it. So now it's hard kombucha, but it doesn't normally come that way, just in case the company's like, don't tell people why kombucha has vodka in it. Because, you know, I feel they'd say that they're, they named their kombucha um, uh, air, but I did open it moments ago and it exploded. So that was super fun. And now my entire desk smells of kombucha. So that's exciting. <laughs> well, what are you drinking today? <laughs> Can you guess what I'm drinking today? Are Erica? you drinking Arizona tea? I sure am. Oh, look, and it matches the hair. So wonderful. Sponsor us, Arizona. Yes, yes. And Bo will continue to keep her hair that color. Yes, Maybe. as long as they sponsor us, yep. Yeah. So, um, okay, very cool. And Karen, KT, what are you drinking? I'm just drinking from, uh, <laughs> I'm just drinking a little juice uh, and it's a cup in a cup that says adulting makes me thirsty. <laughs> oh, adulting does make me thirsty. I'm not, I don't love adulting. Adulting is way Accurate. too much work as far as yeah. I know. A lot of work. It really is. Okay. So for those listeners out there that might not know you, KT, what do you write? I write second chance uh, romances between older adults because, you know, just because you're past 35, 40 doesn't mean you can't find love again. Oh my gosh. I love that. That is so true. Very cool. So what made you decide to start writing? Oh, I've, I've been writing since I was a kid. But in the beginning, you know, when you're a teenager, it's mostly poetry, lots of angsty stuff. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and then life <laughs> happened and I stopped writing. Um, I didn't really begin again until I was I was doing I suppose you would call it freelance work on literatica.com. I would post my stories on there for people to read. I wasn't trying to sell it. It was just a fun thing to do that somebody suggested. And since I'd never heard of Literatica, it was new and interesting to me. And someone went and read one of my stories and sent me a letter saying, um, hey, we like this story. Don't remember which story. <laughs> would you like to write for us? Ghostwrite for us. And I was like, 
sure. I was still working. I was an assistant principal at the time in a New York City public school. Um, wow. And I said, sure. Uh, what does it involve? And he explained. And at the time, it was a 10,000 word story for which I was going to get 50 bucks. And, I, and in my mind, I'm going, I don't need it. I don't need the money. This will be an interesting new thing to do. So that's how I started. Um, and then I joined Upwork.com so that I could, you know, sell myself as a ghostwriter and get more practice in writing because my plan had been that once I retired, I would write full time, not to make money, but just because I wanted to be a published writer in my own name. So I did a lot of ghost. I, I ghost wrote from that was 2013 and I didn't, my last ghost writing gig was 2021, December oh, 2021. Wow. Um, and so altogether, I've written more than 50, I've ghostwritten more than 50 short stories, novellas, and novels in those last years. That um, is a ton of writing, like an a, absolute ton of writing. Ton of writing. And in my own name, I have now published 12 books. Wow. Since 2000 and I want to say 18. That's huge though. That is like like powerhouse of writing. We have authors on here who are that come on and it's great, but they're like, yeah, no, I write a book every like three years. And KT comes on, she's like, I've written 5,000 books. Like, <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs> but seriously, that's amazing. So when did you publish your first book under your name? What was your first book my, by my you book for you? Is my first book is one of the books that I had on Literatica. Um, it's called Back to Life. And it's the first book in the serendipity series that you guys uh, republished for me. And that was, that came out, it had already been finished. So I just needed to clean it up a little. And I published it in 20, I'm sure it was 20. You know what? Because my brain is fried. How about I Go look it up. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's okay. So it was like 2021, right? 20, no, no. Well, yeah. When you guys redid it, it was 2021. But the first time I put it out was um, uh, 20, 2018, I think. What is this? 2023? Yeah, I think it was 2018. But it's not just me who's like, what day is it? What year is it? I have no idea. Everything's just blending into one long day yeah no so that came out and then when I met you guys two years ago and I said okay I'll give you the series you re uh published it in 2021 yes yes and that series is nearing a close isn't it like there's a total yes. number of books there's so, three books and the last one's coming out March 30th which is exciting which is yes. very cool and and and, and my editor said, that's her favorite book. <laughs> oh, that happens though, doesn't it? It always yeah, It's her favorite book. And she wants one of the characters, one of the secondary characters to get his own story. So when I told her he is getting his own story in the male male series, she was very excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> that is very cool. So you um, going back though, you were a high school principal? Assistant principal, I supervised mostly English teachers, but also for a time, art teachers, music teachers, foreign language teachers, and the foreign languages were French, Spanish, Latin, Japanese, and Chinese. Wow. Um, 
which doesn't mean I knew those, all of those, I knew French and Spanish, but, but I was responsible for the languages other than English department. And so whatever languages were taught, I had to supervise the teachers. I had to go in and observe lessons. I could observe, I, I understood the French, the Spanish and the Latin because I did those in high school. The Japanese and the Chinese, I knew nothing about, but I could still talk about, um, about how they taught the lessons, even if I didn't know what they were teaching because I don't know any Japanese or any Chinese. So, and I also supervised the librarian. Wow, but that that had to be interesting. Did you have to interact with students a lot? I don't know if it is. Oh, uh, in New York City. Okay, so I worked in the New York City public schools for the last 26 years of my career. And for the last 16 of those, I was an AP. Uh, and because of the kind, there are two kinds of assistant principals in the New York City Public School. One kind is called an assistant principal of administration. That one doesn't teach. That one does all the administrative stuff and does the discipline, does the school safety, does the, the budget, all of those. Okay. Sorry. And then the assistant principals of supervision were the ones who supervised teachers. They were directly responsible for supervising instruction. And because we were supervising instruction, we had to teach. So I also taught three classes. What? So you just like being busy, really? That's what this comes down to, I guess, right? <laughs> I was, I'm used to it. Um, when I left the Caribbean, well, okay. So I started teaching in Jamaica. And I remember one of my first classes that I taught was what in the States would be a 12th grade class. And students were, um, required to do a, a course called GP, general paper. And for that class, there was no limit of students. And, and I remember one year I had 60 students in that class. So I'm just wow. used to it. Wow. I'm used to it. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. And then you still found time to write? In the, in, from 2013, um, things were not going as well as they might have gone in my last 16 years, in my last eight years at the school where I was, I had a principal who was not, uh, he didn't like me. Um, no. And he did everything that he could to get me to leave up to and including trying to get me fired. Oh my goodness. And There's so, somebody that needs to be eviscerated in fiction, I feel like. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. <laughs> but that would give him, I spent a lot of years after I retired. I retired in 2015, two years after I started ghostwriting. I retired because I needed to be home for my youngest daughter. Um, but that was also a whole year after he uh, began proceedings against me to have me fired. Oh, wow. I think he thought that when he did, I would just leave. And so I showed up the next year and did this to him metaphorically <laughs> the whole extra year just to piss him off. Um, but because I could retire with full benefits because I was 56 at the time and New York City's position was if you were, uh, they had brokered it. So if you're age 55 and you've worked in the city for 25 years or more, you can retire with full retirement benefits. And I had worked with them for 26 years so I could retire well so and in 2015 so technically you kind of won that regardless of what he says or tries yeah. to do I mean he got away with not having to answer for his behaviors because mm -hmm. you know I was 
told that I couldn't sue him, I couldn't sue the Department of Education, and then I would leave with a satisfactory rating. And I was like, Oh, wow. Well, that's good, though. At least you got out of there without that situation, right? Yeah. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but... So, yeah, well, you know, them's the breaks. So when you started on Literatica, you went from being a, a school principal to writing naughty stories. Oh, no, no. I, I used to... I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Multiply. It used to be a social media platform it was, it was, a, so when Yahoo 360 crashed, I don't know if you ever even knew about Yahoo 360. That was wow. a social media platform. And that's where I began my internet journey. That was like 2006. That was where I first found out about social media and about um, places where you could hang out and make friends and share whatever. Um, and then Yahoo closed down its 360 platform and Multiply opened up. And so all of us who were on 360 went to Multiply. So all my friends were still there and we could write. Uh, many of my friends are writers like me. They write poetry, they write short stories. So I would post my stories there. And then one of my friends from India said, have you ever heard of Literatica? Why don't you put your um, erotic stories on there? And I was like, I don't know what that is. So he told me where it was. I went, I signed up, I put my stories there. So I have been on Literatica for a, a while. Um, and my stuff is still there because I haven't pulled it. And my copyright is mine to keep. Um, and if you don't, if you're not active, people may or may not stumble across your work every now and again. And because I signed up as an editor, um, a volunteer editor, every once in a while, I get uh, someone coming and saying, can you edit stuff for me, please? Oh, um, wow. And then I have to say, well, it rather depends on what you write. I don't read bestiality. I don't, don't read BDSM. I don't read FF, which people find funny. Um, and I what is it. SF? I, I know what female, female. I don't read uh, lesbian uh, romance. I, I just can't see that. So I don't read it. And so I, get, I can't edit it because I'm not in the right headspace for that. So anyway, um, Every once in a while, somebody still finds my name and comes to see me and says, could you help? <laughs> um, wow. So you did writing and editing? Yeah, but the editing was not, most of the time, the editing was sort of secondary. Um, the writing, and the writing was, as I said, it wasn't on a timetable. It was when I wrote something, I put it on there. If I didn't write anything, nothing went on there. Um, because I, there were no deadlines. I was working full time. I was teaching. I didn't have time. It was when I was in a mood or, I, or, or an idea for the next part came up, I would put it on. And I wrote a lot of, I don't know what people would call them. The first, the first three books, now that I'm thinking about it, I misspoke. The first books that I published were, were um, part of a series that I call Love Bites, B-Y-T-E-S. Okay. And each of those books represents the short stuff that I posted on Literatica. So they're not connected, the stories in each of them are not connected to each other. And a lot of them are fragments. So they're like, I wrote, a, I had an idea for a story and I wrote what it was and I put it on Literatica. And so okay. I tried to pull those three stories into some kind of frame. So the first one is called Tidbits and Teasers and it's the one that has the shortest stories in it. Um, and then the second one is Sizzling Scenes because those are more uh, erotic. And the last one is called um, Fabulous Fantasies because that has the paranormal stuff. 
but they're, but they're all short things. So, I mean, any one of those stories I could develop into something else, but I just wanted to put them out there. They were all on Little Radical. They still are, as is a lot of my poetry. So. Very cool. So what made you choose erotica? Well, it's, I was just having a conversation with my clubhouse friends and they said, I don't really write erotica. I write steamy stuff. Um, so it's very open door. It's very much, um, it, it's very expressive and explicit, but it's not erotica because, you know, most of my sex scenes happen in the last, I would say, one third of the book because I build, okay. I am a slow, slow burn kind of person. I build a relationship. I build a friendship. I show the characters before I have them hopping into bed. And then when they hop into bed, there's hot sex, but it's not erotic. It's not erotica in the sense of page six, they're hopping into yeah. bed. It's not, that it's not like sex scene, sex scene, sex scene, no, sex no. scene from like beginning. Yeah. No, it's, it's so they've said to me, you're really not erotica. You're steamy is what you want to say you are. So I'm like, okay, I'm steamy. <laughs> Okay, whatever you say, I'll be steamy. That's fine. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. Very cool. So, but what made you choose that over writing mystery, writing children's books? I don't know. I go down the list. Well, I started reading romance novels when I was 11, 12. I used to borrow them from my school library. Um, because, and, and as I grew up, I, I came to understand, and then now that I've been reading and writing them exclusively, I've come to understand that what I recognize about romance novels is that those stories have the real impact because those are about people. And, mm -hmm. and the stories that I enjoy in, in the genre are those stories where you see people grappling with real issues and finding out things about themselves and growing and changing. The mysteries, and I, I read everything, but the mysteries and the war stories and, and all those things that I enjoy reading, the science fiction and everything, they're about things. They're about plot ideas. They're about, you know, I mean, and it's not that their issues are, are, are not big issues, but at the end of the day, there's no, the kind of emotion that you need to have to make the story appeal to me is lacking in them. There's no love. There's hate, there's anger, there's rage, there's fear, there's uh, curiosity. Um, there's, in, there's all kinds, there are all kinds of other intense emotions, but without love, you don't get the kind of ending that you will get in a romance novel. And I'm not even just talking about the HEA. Mm -hmm. Obviously mm -hmm. in a romance, you're going to have the HEA, but, but, but I'm saying is that for me, what made the story valuable and worthwhile was that human beings turned to each other in love. That doesn't happen in any other of those stories. And for me, what makes us human isn't our intelligence that takes us into outer space and helps us to fight aliens it's not what teaches us how to win wars. It's not what makes us the best in running a country. Those are not the things that make us human. What makes us human is love. And there's only one genre that you find that in. And that's what I wanted to write. 
Well, that makes sense and very hard to follow up on at all as a <laughs> So I'm going to do this. I'm going to take a quick break and we'll be right back because then we can start anew. Okay. <laughs> listeners you know me eric lance you're just listening to me in the podcast that you have but guess what i'm doing something new yeah she's joining me mark muncie the author of the erie florida book series in erie appalachia and we are hosting a new podcast called erie travels Woo-hoo! erie travels which covers things like ghosts cryptids weird stuff ufos men in black all kinds of fun things that people talk about and I'm sure you've discussed with friends. Yep, and you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice or find us at eerietravels.com and join in the fun and all the spooky goodness. And of course, Mark, what do we always say? We'll see you on the other side. Okay, we're back, so go. About it, I know I took over the entire first half like a boss, so. As, yeah, like my boss, yeah. So, Katie, I feel like we're kindred spirits a little bit because I was also a ghostwriter and I was also an avid reader of Literatica, so I, I feel like we are we are emotionally connected now. Um, I want to talk more about your thoughts on romance. What is your favorite trope? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> my favorite trope. I really like, um, I really like, see now, I'm going to say second chance, but I don't know if that's a trope. Can be. I like second chance romances between older people. Mm-hmm. And, and I like age gap stories. Um, although we also had a conversation about what that means, because, you know, is 10 years really an age gap or does it have to be 20 years? Like what makes something so second chance and age gap? I like interracial, obviously, um, because I'm an, in, and multicultural because I'm all about looking to see what love looks like between people who whom our world says shouldn't be together or don't belong right. or whatever. Um, and even though speculative fiction allows you to do that, um, which is probably why I'm pulled, I'm drawn to uh, paranormal. I, I like to do it in real time with real people. So yeah, um, second chance, age gap, interracial, multicultural, I'm, and I love romantic suspense um, a lot. Now I don't know if those are subgenres or tropes, but <laughs> it can be both. What's your least favorite? Um, new adult and young adult stuff. I think I'm 64. Mm. I just for like the most high part, school. for the for the most part, those don't. I I don't. I get really frustrated with their issues unless the right. issues. Sometimes I I've read some you know a few that are pretty good because they're not the yeah. typical drinking, you know, sleeping around 
foolishness and it's not your big brother and my little sister and that can't happen kind of I, I, I don't have any patience for that. Um, and as I said, I don't like um, lesbian romance and I don't like bully and all of those weird like no. And even though I like reading mystery stories and I don't mind reading mafia stories, I don't want to read a mafia love story like I don't care. Right. Um, maybe because in my mind, if you're a bad guy, you're not supposed to get the girl. But <laughs> that's kind of mean. I know. <laughs> like she's gonna going to redeem him. What are you talking about? <laughs> They're going to redeem him through love. Love will save the day. Those are the ones I read the least. Um, and I mean, and it's not to say I don't read a few, but they, I wouldn't call those my favorite ones. I've never read a, a lesbian story because, like I said, I just can't wrap my brain around sex with with a woman. That's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I. So, what, but that's interesting because you do write male, male. Yeah, because um, there are penises. <laughs> I okay okay dealt with one of those before. <laughs> now makes sense. Go ahead, Bowen. I'm not taking over. I'm just commenting. I'm commenting from the peanut gallery. <laughs> Who is the your favorite character from your uh, most recent series? Oh, gosh, <laughs> um, I would have to say. It really is a toss-up between I pronounce his name Niall and and um, Rory. So Niall is the character in Back to Love. He's the kind of like security guy, and Rory is the rock star in Back at Last, which is the last book. And let me tell you why. So when we meet Niall the first time in the first book, he has come to this birthday party, which is where Rory meets Chrissy in the third book. He's come to this birthday party to be, to, to hook up, well, to get to know Karen Mullings, whom he met previously. Um, but Karen is staying with her friend, Tony, who's throwing the party. And when Tony walks into the room, Karen disappears. And all he can see is Tony. So he starts out that book looking like a bit of a heel because he's like, he's all about Tony. <laughs> Fortunately, Karen doesn't care because she likes, there's some other guy whom she likes. That's her story. Um, so he starts out looking like a heel. And I like that we see him recognizing that about himself in the second book and working to show that he is not what he first appeared to be. And also that he has to learn some things about Tony that show him that she's not all she appeared to be as well, because they're both keeping secrets from each other. Well, she's keeping secrets from him. He's not really keeping any from her. So I, I like that about him, that he doesn't start off perfect. And that she knows he's not perfect. But because Karen isn't offended, because Karen was never going to give him the time of day anyway, um, it's just about him figuring out. He figures that out too. 
that she's not going to give him the time of day um, as soon as he sees her. And then he sees Tony and it doesn't matter. <laughs> Why do I like Rory? I've never written a rock star. And I've made him different from people's, many people's idea of what a rock star is. So he's not a rager. He's not into drugs and women. Um, and he's, he's very attuned to the woman he wants to have in his life and what he needs to do to keep her. And because when the story starts, it's six months after she ghosted him and he's protecting himself and she's protecting herself. We get to see how he has to, he has to move their relationship away from that misunderstanding into something where he can get what he really wants with her and then at the end they can both say this is why I ghosted you this is why I didn't call you but it's a process and he has to woo her and he does that because he's a sweetheart and I I just so it's it's a tie between those two guys they're very different but those both of those things appeal to me it sounds like they're both kind of like growing up, even though they're adults, they're still yeah. trying to learn something. Yeah. Is there, is there a genre you'd like to write, but are too afraid to try? I, I would love to write romantic suspense. And um, when I was ghostwriting, I wrote two stories. I can tell you, I'm not supposed to tell you this. <laughs> um, I wrote two stories, both of them beginning with the word finding and the woman's name begins with A. And it's funny, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, both <laughs> of them, the women's names are two syllables, three letters. Um, and in each of those stories, there's a suspense element because the client said he wanted a suspense element and I had to write him three different um, story ideas and then he picked one. Um, and in one of them, the woman who is an assistant, who is the lead teacher in the English department, she wasn't an AP, but she was the lead teacher in the English department, um, falls in love with a guy who is um, big in, in fashion industry. But anyway, but she is abducted by her former fiance. Okay. And, um, and I tried to build the irrationality of the fiance from the first chapter so that when he abducts her, we're not surprised. But I don't know that, but I didn't want it to be because I'm scared of writing suspense stuff because I don't know how well I would do. I didn't want it to be heavily suspenseful. So it was there, but it was a very minor detail. And the other one, she saw that a guy kill somebody, kill her friend. Um, and I didn't know whether I believed that or not. So I was happy that I downplayed that part. But then he comes to find her. Um, and he has to be trapped by the guy who, who falls in love with her, who is also the guy who saved her from him when he was chasing her in the beginning. Um, and I'm sorry, there was a third one, except it wasn't really, uh, <laughs> it wasn't really romantic suspense. It was, it was, this guy was a Navy SEAL and his job was to go and extract people. And he extracted this um, journalist from a situation. And then the whole rest of the, the, story was about how he's trying to tell her he's nothing big he's nothing important and that what she's feeling isn't significant and they break up and fight and 
then he realizes or, or he gets hurt and she realizes that they have something and he realizes that he really does love her and she's not just it's not just hero worship and they get back together so that one isn't really romantic suspense except for the part where he has to go in and extract her right at the beginning so I'm just scared. I would love to write a story that is heavy, that is equally suspense and romance, but I don't know that I can do that believably. So, do you ever take writing classes, not to become a better writer, but on like that topic? I'm sure there are classes on how to write suspense, right? Like, I would probably have to look for those to see if there's one I could take. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's really a master like class that. from like somebody, you know how there's master classes from everybody? I yeah. wonder if there's a master class from like a suspense writer that you could, because I agree there are skill sets, even with what you write. It was funny, I did a podcast and the person has, um, she wrote FBI books, right? She was on the last podcast. She wrote FBI books and she had, had put sex in the first book and even her husband was like, ah, no, no, take all this out. This is terrible. And then she sent it to the editor thinking, well, the husband's wrong. And the editor was like, yeah, you don't know how to write sex scenes. We need to remove these from the book. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. And that's, you know, some people just, even when they write erotica, they could write romantic stuff. But when they go to actually write the sex scene, those, it's just awkward and not intended to be. It's supposed to be sexy, but you're like, you know, there's a famous podcast that I like to, I listened to for years, which was called My Dad Wrote a Porno. And it's literally about this um, English gentleman whose father, who was like 65 or something, wrote a porno book. And um, it's terrible. Like it is, it is horrible. Like one of the first sex scenes, he describes the woman's breasts. They were hanging there like pomegranates. Pomegranates <laughs> are sexy. Like there's no, yeah, exactly. But it's funny in the podcast is them reading these book, this book, like chapter by chapter, each podcast was a chapter of the book. And the dad went on to write like six or seven sequels to this series because he was so excited. <laughs> and I don't think the dad quite gets how much of it is. And not because the son's hiding it from him, but the dad is so proud of these books now. And of course, because of the podcast they're selling, but I don't think he gets how absolutely terrible they are. Like the son has done nothing to correct him on the fact that these books are actually terrible. Like they're not <laughs> sexy at all. And, and things happen where they don't make sense, where somebody has clothes on and they don't have clothes on, but it's not like the clothes came off. It just doesn't make it, you know, all this yeah. stuff. So I think, you know, when it comes to writing anything, and I know I just went from suspense to sex, but they will start with the letter S. Um, it's, I think that, you know, you never know what you're good or not good at having come across. Like when you write horror, you have to build up sort of the, um, the point of whether you're going to do a scare or a gross out, right? When you're writing horror, and there's a degree of thrillerness and suspense and leading up and not giving too much away and all that. And I, you know, again, you can think you're great at it. You could have a great premise, but if you don't know how to do that, you're going to be horrible. So reading the books you want to write in those genres or um, uh, finding a class on it, I think is a great idea if you want to go. Oh, down. I read a lot of books in romantic suspense genres. Some of them are really good and some of them are. <laughs> how many books a year do you read over a hundred 
Oh my goodness. Wow. Because I'm in, a, I'm in a, um, an ARC group. It's specifically an MM ARC group, although now they're going to make one for MF stories. Um, and so I read those plus my friends who write MF stories. I read theirs, some of theirs, not all of them. Um, so yeah, over a hundred. Um, wow. Like in December alone, I can tell you how many books I read in December. Hold on one second. Okay. Can't wait. Um, I've read like one book this year so far. So hold on. I've listened to books. That's I the time I have is listening. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. At least while you're listening, you could do other stuff too, like mm -hmm. cook dinner, do other things, clean your house. Um, like, and that's what I do just because of time. Like I love to sit and read and things. It's just not yeah. having as much time as I would love to do that. You yeah. know what I mean? I have to read on my phone, like ebooks on my phone, because it's the only way I can get any reading done. 12, 13. She's still counting. Yeah, because I have them on the days they're due. 14. Oh, 18. wow. KT's always working in some 18. way. Look at her. 16 books it. in December. 16. What? And wrote comments for the arcs, like and wrote oh. and wrote reviews. You're a busy lady. I don't I don't know how you do it. And you write how many books a year are you writing right now? Okay, so this year, last year, I wrote. Okay, so I didn't write um, ties that bind last year. I wrote it the year before, but it got published in January. But I wrote back to love, back at last. Uh, a novella called A Very Pregnant Christmas and The Surrogate, which came out in January of this year. So that's four books. I don't know how you have the time. You're a superwoman. You are. Well, remember, I'm retired. I'm not, what else am I doing? And I don't have any friends and I live in the middle of the woods and I don't come out of my house. We know you have friends. I say that facetiously, but in point <laughs> of fact, up where I live, I am friendly with two people. Oh, wow. And they don't live near to me. Like, you know, one is 10 minutes away. The other one is like 20 minutes away. Um, we don't see each other. The, the one I will see her when she buys my paperback because she doesn't do eBooks and I signed it for her. So we go for lunch so I can sign the book. The other one I haven't seen in forever. I see her on Facebook. Mm. My friends are in New York City or they're in Jamaica and Canada and England and wherever that, that's what I mean when I say I have no friends. Yeah. Uh, my, my writing partner is my friend. She lives in Ohio. So, wow. and the other one, the other writing partner lives in Michigan. So I'm you're, alone You're just international. Yeah. I'm yeah. just alone with the dog. Oh, there's the dog. Let me show you the dog. Don't mind my dirty house. Oh, oh, cutie. Yeah, and he's filthy and smelly, and he needs a wash and a shave. <laughs> but you know, it's muddy outside. But if I let him out or if I walk with him, I get muddy. He gets muddy. Tis oh my goodness, is. that is so funny. So, what is your best writing time? When do you get the most done? during this uber busy during the day. so okay um 
normally I would be writing now. This would be my afternoon session with my writing partner. We start at 9.30 in the morning and go to lunchtime. And then we take a, a break for lunch and we come back at one o'clock and we write again till like four. Okay. And usually after that, I'm wiped out or I'm cooking or whatever. Um, so it's mostly, most of my writing is done Monday to Friday between the hours of 9.30 and four. Sometimes, depending on how behind I am or if I have some idea that's burning, I will write after those hours or I will write on the weekend. But for the most part, it's those five days a week for those hours. And do um, you and your writing partner like talk to each other or just like sit and listen to each other type? What do you guys so do? So what we do is like she, what, she went to be with her daughter, but she said she'll be ready when I'm done with you guys because I told her I had the podcast. Um, we, we sit and type. If there's a, if she has like right now, she's um, uh, going through and editing her story and she might ask me to listen to a sentence. Um, but for the most part, if we are writing, if we're creating, so it's not old stuff we're looking over, we write for however long she sets a timer. When the timer's done, she reads what she's written for the day to me. And, and reading it aloud does help with proofreading because then you see all this stuff <laughs> and then I do the same for her and we'll ask questions if something doesn't add up or if she remembers something that I read the day before that doesn't match with whatever I'm reading today and so and that's how we help each other to move the um, product along I love that so and we started doing that in March 9th 2020 because my mother had just died um, November 2019 and I wasn't getting out of bed. I didn't want to get out of bed. And she called me up um, and we were just talking and she said, I need to get back into writing. I just don't know how to do it. I said, okay, let's make a deal. If you call me every morning to wake, to get me out of bed, I will sit with you and make sure that you write. Aww. So that, that was the awesome. deal. She got me out of bed and I helped her write. And we've been doing that now for 2023 20, years, three years in March. That's very cool. I think that's awesome when you find that person who, who works so well to support you, you yeah. know, because we all need to, regardless of who that person is, we all, I think as writers in general, you, it helps. I'm not saying you can't do it without, because I've talked to many authors that, you know, are solitary, but I think it makes a huge difference. Yes. It and does, accountability yeah. too. And that's true with doing almost anything. You want to do workouts, have an accountability buddy. Because yeah. sometimes you're not your own best hero when it comes to yep. things. Like, I want to do true. it, but just not right now. I want to do something else right now. You mm -hmm. know? <laughs> yeah, this forces me to work every day. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Okay. So, um, Bo, I'm going to have you ask a question, then I'm going to do the final question. What do you think? Oh, of that? For, for once. <laughs> okay, sassy pants. Now I'm changing it. That's what you get. Okay, I, I no, have a good kidding. last. I have a good last question. If you want to go first, are you sure? Because mm -hmm. you're being awfully sassy today about this I, thing. All right, you ask your question. Go. Okay. So, what about um, you know, feedback and reviews? As you're starting to get feedback and reviews on your books, what has that been like over this entire journey? Because you talked a little bit about it for Literotica, but kind of like even feedback from the ghost written stuff when you see, do you get to see when it's published and stuff? 
Yes, I do. I'm able to, I've been able to find most of the stories that I've ghostwritten. And not like nowadays where people don't seem to be writing reviews, they just do ratings and leave it, um, at least on Amazon. I have, um, for example, on Back to Love, there are, well, not Back to, the last book I, I put out, The Surrogate, there are three ratings on Amazon and one review, no reviews. Something like that. It, so for whatever reason, Amazon is now allowing people to leave ratings without reviews. Right. Um, but in the past, I was able to go and look at the reviews. And you, you know you can tell the ones where people have clearly read the story. So even if the rating is a three or even a lower rating than that, the ones who have read the story accurately will have things that, that don't gel for them. And that's fine. I always, when I'm reading reviews, I always go start with the ones and twos mm -hmm. because clearly those are the ones that are saying there's something wrong here. Right. There are some which you'll read it and go, and you didn't read the story so I can ignore you. Because <laughs> 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 no, that is not what happened. <laughs> um, and then there are some where you go, I wonder if that person is right. And I, and I think about it because obviously the idea for me behind looking at reviews is how can I improve what I'm doing or make it so that what the person didn't understand is clearer the next time I try it. Mm -hmm. um, and so the negative reviews are helpful to me for that reason. And then the positive reviews are, are really good, except when the positive reviews tell you the person didn't read the book either. And it's just yeah. BS. And, right. and then I'm like, why are you giving me five stars when you haven't? One person wrote me a five-star review who did not read the book. Oh, wow. Really? Really? And then had the nerve to tell me that. No, thank you. I don't yeah. need you. I, I don't well, know what, what prompted them to leave a review if they didn't read it. I, I think I may have been, you know how, well, when I send out my newsletters every now and again, I'll say, if, you know, if you've read the book, I would love it if you would leave a review. Um, and, but, and I always say, leave an honest review. Um, and so I guess she felt like she needed to support me. Like, I don't know. It's like the writer who said, oh yeah, I'm buying your book, but I'm not going to read it. I just want to support mm -hmm. you. Don't buy my I don't book like then. that either. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's not supportive. We appreciate it, but it's not supportive because, yeah. right. Yeah, I don't you need know. your money. I'm a retired person. I, may, I have an income. <laughs> I mean, so I do need your money, but I don't need your money. Not like that. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So, you know, so reviews are helpful. And it's nice to see the ghost written books get a lot. Some of those stories got really, really, really great reviews. And I was like, wow. And those were even in the days when I was still learning the craft um, and not as confident then as I am now. And so I wonder what it would be like now if people were to read, were to actually write reviews for the stories I've written in the last couple of years, you know, and some people have and some people haven't. And so, yeah, but I found them useful, so. Okay. Wait, wait, well, one more thing. I just want to say the one thing that I don't like is when you leave a bad rating and no review. Oh, I have one of those that it like, it I think about it all the time. One, if you're going to leave a one star rating, have the courage to say why. Don't rate me one star and then leave it alone. And Amazon should not allow that. But they don't care. So whatever. No, that's true. 
I mean, because it's not helpful. Like, what the hell is that for? What did that do? You know what I mean? You know, all it does is bring the rating down, which yeah. makes it more difficult for my story to get seen if it's below a certain rating. So at that point, my, in my mind, it's just you're being a jerk because you don't like me or you don't like whatever. You just want to be a troll. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. Okay. Are we ready for the final? I, I'm, I am more than ready. I am <laughs> breathless with anticipation though, of your final question. I didn't worry about this final question. <laughs> what is your advice to other writers? Okay, That's so it? That's your final yes. question? Yes, it's a good question. Well, you can ask one afterwards, Erica, if you have No, one. it's just like cheating he's, in Scrabble right he's, now. He's so critical of me. Um, first of all, if you, if this is something you really want to do, if you want to write whatever it is you want to write, then you should do it. Um, if you're doing it because you need to make, make money, because you need to make a living, you have to understand there are a lot of challenges that you have to overcome. Uh, there are a lot of, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it, a lot of money that you have to spend in order to make the money that you want to make. And so if you're doing it to, to, to make a living, you have to go in understanding that. And it means that your writing has to be of, the, of a level that will make people want to read it after you've done the marketing and the publicity and all of the other stuff. If you're doing it because you want to write and you love to write and you want to tell a story and share it with other people, go ahead and do that too. And yeah, if you can sell some, go ahead and sell some. But your first goal is to entertain, is to make somebody happy with a story you told. Um, and for that, you do also have to pay attention to the task of the writing, to the craft of it, and to making it the best it can be so that I will read it and enjoy it and tell my friend who will tell her friend who will tell her and so on. But the one thing I would tell both of them is whatever you're going to do, if you want to be a writer, you got to write. And you got to write every single day. And writing isn't just putting words down for the word count. It's if you're writing something you're not familiar with, writing involves the research. Do the research. Mm -hmm. Be as careful about the research. If you're not up on the grammar, figure out the grammar, figure out the word choice, pay attention to word choices. Look at, go in Google if you don't have a thesaurus. Find what are all the words that say this thing? Which one is better than which one? I do that all the time. You have to write every single day you have to write. And finally, if you wanna be a really good writer, you gotta read good writers all the time. Yeah. All the time. No, that makes total sense. Okay, shameless self-promotion time. Where do people find you in your books? You can find my books mostly on Amazon, but for The Surrogate, which was the last book I published, I decided to try and go wide. And so it's also on Barnes and Noble and Kobo and something on Roberts, Roberts and something, and Monte, I forget. <laughs> and Smashwords, I haven't got The Surrogate on Smashwords. I have Back to Life on Smashwords. So it's mostly on Amazon and it's in paperback and ebook. And um, back to 
Love is also on Audible, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Um, it's actually at over 400 bookstores and over 60 audiobook sites. The Back to that. Love. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So just, just, just so you know. Just it's putting everywhere. it out there. <laughs> very cool. Well, KT, thank you so much for being on this podcast with us. We really appreciate it. I enjoyed it. It was fun to talk about work, the work and um, about how much I enjoy doing it. Even when it's challenging and it's hard and I can't focus and concentrate, it's still a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm so glad you could be a part of that. Hello, Drinking With Authors fans. This is your host, Erica Lance. Because of the change of the format of the show, welcome to the literary briefs portion. Enjoy. Welcome to Drinking With Authors, the literary briefs edition that I just informed our guest about. So surprised. Um, I am your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today is the amazing Bo Lake, who's not going to get the final question. And our guest today is the incomparable Katie Bond. So woo, welcome, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about what we're drinking, shall we? Because I am almost done with mine. I decided to explode a kombucha on my desk. And no, just kidding. I'm not kidding about that. So I'm drinking a Bucci, Bucci kombucha, which is their air version, which is mint, pineapple, and echinacea. And then I maybe put a couple shots of vodka in the cup before I poured it in there after it exploded. I'm almost done. I'm loving it. But what are you drinking? <laughs> Well, before I tell you what I'm drinking, I need to know what echinacea is. What is it? So echinacea is actually a herb. I said that correctly because there's an H in it versus herb. Um, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Well, that's because I can say the British version of words too. But <laughs> what echinacea actually is, is it's an herb that helps strengthen the walls of your cells so that when you are, you know, to protect them from getting sick and stuff. And it's something you should take regularly when you're not feeling well or during cold season and stuff like that. You hear people talk about taking echinacea and golden seal, which are two herbs that help vitamin C strengthen the cell walls so viruses can't get in. I don't think a lot of people know what they actually do. Like vitamin C strengthens cell walls. It doesn't like attack cold viruses. It just makes it so it can't get into your system as well just for the right well, someone who is sick right now I need to get some of that because I'm feeling rough yeah no, I actually <laughs> not that I'm giving health advice and I swear to god if anybody goes off this podcast and went well Erica said I'm drinking with honor but um I so my daughter just put uh put her my grandbaby in daycare which is just a cesspool for viruses I feel that's like a peach, that's a petri dish of viruses yeah yeah, so what I had told her to do is I said, because you can get echinacea gummies, you know, and I said what she should do because she's, you know, breast milk and stuff like that. I said, you should take the vitamin C and the echinacea and all of that stuff in, in, do, in the breast milk because then it's better. And even if you can't take it all during the season of Petri dish that happens at school. Yeah. So I'm a very big advocate of it. I also believe in traditional medicine, but I find that 
um, if you do that, it helps you, not that you're gonna win against every virus, but it may help you skip some of the colds that you may normally get. So- I love that you're holding your cup up so that everyone sees drinking with authors. It's very good product placement. Yes, well, KT, <laughs> the cool part is um, I have whole new cups. They're bright green, but I've had this one since we started the show, but you get cups in a shot glass for being on the show. Oh, so wow. it's drinking cool. with author swag. I'm all about drinking with author swag. So oh, now I forgot to say what I'm I forgot to say what I'm drinking. I am drinking an Arizona green tea. Like always, there's ginseng and honey in it. I don't know what also ginseng very helpful. Also helpful. KT, what are you drinking? I'm just drinking juice in a cup that says adulting makes me thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> adulting does make me thirsty, and then I drink alcohol and Spilled kombucha. Right. <laughs> so, um, okay, here we go. Rapid fire questions. Are we ready? Always. Katie doesn't look like she's ready. It's fine. What is your favorite book of all time? Oh, hell. <laughs> um, <laughs> my favorite book of all time. There was a time when I would have said um, any of the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, and I'm probably still going to say that. Okay. Um, because it's really hard when you ask me questions like those, it's really hard for me to pick between the genres and the, I just can't, it's hard. So the Chronicles of Narnia, anyone. Okay. I like it. I like it. Um, what about your least favorite book? Huh. I don't think there's such a thing. It's 15 hours. Or rather, if there is such a thing, I'm not going to remember the name because it made such a bad impression. I forgot it. So. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Did anybody else hear a voice that just said it's 15 I sure hours? did. Okay. That, was sure my, did. that was my um, computer telling me the time. Okay. Because I was like, <laughs> okay, did, you know, when and you drink like, a little bit too much vodka during the day and you're that like, was my laptop. That was my laptop informing me of the time. And Erica's like, I, I appreciate it. Because <laughs> I like, I like to look down and I'm like, what the hell could be making that noise? <laughs> it's, it's fine. That day, that went really well for me. <laughs> okay. What about if you could travel to any literary world, what world would you want to go see? Any literary world. Huh. Um, it's funny how I would I want to say I would love to go to any one of those Star Trek worlds but I'm afraid of flying so we can't go there <laughs> okay um, which means I would have to stick I would have to, to stay on earth and so okay there's a series that's written by Tal Bauer called and uh the executive office series. And it's about president of the United States and his secret service agent who falls in love, but it's more than, it's their story, but it's also a much larger romantic suspense trilogy. Okay. And so, and he's the one who made me fascinated with the world of Washington DC and the White House. And oh. that's where I would, I would love to visit the White House, not the way I visited that one time a while ago, but where I could go down to horsepower, where the Secret Service people are, and walk through the passages that nobody knows about to get them to the bunker underground, 
or and go up to the third floor where the people used the servants used to live the, um where in my story where i have part of it in the white house in ties that bind um the president's son who is the one who falls in love with my female character when they go for christmas they go up to the third floor that's where he and his son stay and where his sister and her husband and their son stay on the third floor that used to be helper square i want to know all about the white house and blair house and those passages underneath and and the um Pennyman building, the, the the courthouse, everything about DC that has to do with government is I want to know all of those not known things. Like the backstage that. part of it, like yes. at Disney when there's tunnels. Because, because you want to see all that secret. Yeah. Yeah, because Tal made those places come alive. I was like, what the hell? It was it was really fascinating. And then I, I don't have to take a plane. I can jump on a train. I like it. I like it. What about, um, is there any place that you would love to, like, if you could travel anywhere um, on like your bucket list of travel locations, where do you want to go? I would like to go to Florence. And Paris, because I've been to Paris, but it was overnight, so I didn't see anything. And I love French. I'm a Francophile. Um, Florence in Italy, Paris in France. And I will forever and always love London. Mm-hmm. And I've never been to Scotland and I really want to go there to hear the guys talk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to go to, to, to Edinburgh and, and, and hear the brogue. I want to hear the brogue <laughs> and see those guys in kilts. Like, do they really wear those things or is that a joke? But anyway. <laughs> I'm going to Ireland and Scotland later this year. I'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> I'll take pictures, KT. Just send you every person that's got a kilt on. I'll be like, can I can I get a picture with you? And I'll just yes, send thank you. you. And you'll say it's for my girlfriend who's never been here. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, she told me she didn't think you guys wore these. Let's do this. <laughs> what Try about to make them good looking though? I, yeah. Yeah, of course. Only the only the hot ones. Only the hot ones. I'll tell you. <laughs> a grizzled Scotsman. Hmm. Oh yes. <laughs> Yes. Um, okay. What about what was your favorite food as a kid? Um, I don't know. I don't think I had a favorite food when I I, I ate what I was given. We were Did not you ever like sneak treats. Was there ever something that was like an epic reward? No. I lived a very boring, I was one of those kids who you ate what you were given. When there were treats, you enjoyed them. When there weren't, you didn't. That was my life. I used to sneak um, 25 cents to go buy chocolate pies at the grocery store, you know, the little, yeah. Yeah, no, I I never had any of that. Yeah, I had one of those the other day because I saw one at the store and I was like, oh, chocolate pie. And then I was like, oh, ugh. I mean, I, I still like those. I can, those are good. I, I can tell you things I enjoyed, but it wasn't something I sneaked. And I, I didn't enjoy it when I was a little kid. It was when I was older. Um, we call them Chinese sweets, but they're not really, I think they were dried prunes that they either dried them with sugar or dried them with salt. And I love the salty ones. They were just delicious. Very cool. What is your current favorite restaurant? 
I'm coming up with new questions, Bo. Are you seeing I this? I know. Dumping people. My current favorite restaurant. Ooh. Here are these favorite questions again. Um, <laughs> I'll go with the newest one to which I was introduced. It's called 99. What kind of food is that? My daughter is a host there. It's American food. Mm. Um, yeah. And it was the first time I ever went to one when I went up to Vermont to visit her a few months ago. And they have um, a really delicious, some kind of flavored mac and cheese. Mm. And um, it's good food. It's, it's good food, nicely prepared. And the thing that I really like, they have little desserts little squares of whatever and they call them triplets or trios or something um chocolate chocolate is my favorite flavor of everything so chocolate something lemon something and a third one with coconut three little ones and you can eat them all or you can share them they're very very cute um almost reminds me of the the ones that they sell at i don't know if it's applebee's or where but they put them in shot glasses Oh yeah, shooters. Yeah, but but um, these are not in anything. They're just little squares, like one inch square. They're very cute. Very so ninety nine. Cool. My daughter will be happy that I made a plug for ninety nine. Yes. <laughs> there you go, Bo. What is your? Uh, we're gonna ask another food related question. What is your favorite writing snack? I don't actually eat when I'm writing. Mm. I'm just writing. I mean, okay, so right now on the dining table where I sit to work, there's a, a pack of um, jalapeno chips. Yum. But because I'm so afraid of raising my blood pressure, I haven't eaten any because they're salty. And it scares me, right? Because I'm having this blood pressure issue right now. So, but I like jalapeno chips. I like um, dairy milk chocolate bars from Cadbury. That's, the, that's my, my chocolate of choice is always and ever will be Cadbury chocolate. Hershey's is ridiculous. Just saying. Well, if you've been over to London, then you've had- The real deal, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've had the real deal. Last time I was in England, I brought home a, a whole set of Cadbury chocolates for my children, because if I didn't, they would kill me. <laughs> um, yeah, we, I, went to, I went to Cadbury World. Which, by the way, if you were to read back at last, you'll see my characters go to Cadbury World. And it, it's very clear that the person who wrote the story has been to Cadbury World. <laughs> and thoroughly enjoyed Cadbury World. And thoroughly World. enjoyed going to Cadbury World. Do you have a, um, uh, so you said that and it made me think, so I'm a huge fan of Cadbury cream eggs that only come out. And a lot of people think they're gross, but they come out only at Easter. I've always loved Cadbury cream eggs. I can only eat a few of them, but is there... A, like a food at a um, a holiday or something. I know we're totally food here, but that you like. I just thought of that when you said Cadbury. Let me down food that. Food at a holiday. Christmas time in Jamaica is the time when we have, uh, most of the time when we have black cake. It's Jamaican rum cake. And so that's the time of year when I make it every Christmas. Um, and so that would be my food of choice for holidays because Christmas is my favorite holiday and we make rum cake and it's with Jamaican overproof rum and red wine and lots of eggs and flour and sugar and butter and fruits soaked in wine and rum. 
That sounds amazing and I've never had that. Now I want to have that, but I want to have it homemade because I feel like if I ordered it and got it delivered, it would not taste like it tastes homemade. I don't even, yeah, you probably, it, it, it probably doesn't. You have to make it yourself. That's good to know. What about, um, uh, what is your like book that you love to reread? Because you talk about the Chronicles of Narnia, but do you reread books? You read so many. I just... I reread. Um, I haven't read reread the Chronicles of Narnia in a, in a while, but I have reread, especially because um, I, I I met Talbauer. Met. I've never met him <laughs> in 2017 when I read his first book, um, right. and then I read the first of his trilogy, which is called Enemies of the State. I reread that book a lot. That oh. book, his book called Hush, which is about a federal court judge and a U.S. Marshal. I reread those two a lot. Um, I reread some of A.E. Via's books from the Nothing Special series. Um, I reread some books by Olivia Gaines. She writes MF romances. My very first book of hers was called Thursdays in Savannah. And that's such a clever title because the woman's name is Savannah. And Thursdays was the day when she met this, um, when the, the construction guy would come over to do work in her apartment. And then of course he is in her, it was, I loved that book, I still love that book. That's um, such a clever title. Thursdays in Savannah. Um, uh, what else have I reread? Um, Anything by, not anything. I've reread books by, oh, she writes the Metahuman series, Haley, Haley Turner. I've reread a couple of those Metahuman books um, and the ones that she writes about um, Jono and I can't remember his name because she, because she writes, that's, I don't know if that's paranormal or if that's, fan, I don't know what the hell that is. I think that's probably like sci-fi the well the metahuman ones is sci-fi the one with the werewolf and the other guy is more paranormal i guess um so yeah there are there's a lot of stuff that i reread in different subgenres of romance um other when i was reading a lot of mysteries and things i would reread agatha christie I started an agatha christie collection and i didn't finish it she made she wrote 81 books and i only have like 20 something um so i would reread the agatha christie ones um there was a time when i would reread georgette hair books but i haven't read any regency romances in a really long time i used to write those too i wrote those uh, i wrote a few of those for clients i love regency romances they are so different they are so different um Goodness, right? They're so slow to me. <laughs> oh, I, I love I love the slow because remember you I'm know, a slow burn kind of person, and that's the issue. I love a the ton slow of people do love oh, the slow when they touch hands, and it's oh so romantic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and now these days that they're trying to open up the Regency thing to where they're trying to make it more realistic, because in fact, many of the people who lived in those times their relationships were not as pristine and clean as they make it appear in those earlier books. There is a lot more 
So if you can make it steamier without necessarily making it open book sex, it, it really does open up the genre. It's yeah. So yeah, I reread a lot of a lot of the good stuff. Like I just um finished reading, I don't know where the bloody thing is. Um it's a series about a, a an FBI agent and a Hollywood actor who fall in love. And there's a whole series where they meet and then they go through these four sets of stories. And this last one is about cyberbullying, where the uh FBI agent is kidnapped and um and restrained and the person who has kidnapped him is going to blow him up if people vote if more people vote down meaning kill him than vote up meaning keep him alive he's going to be and the actor guy and the other FBI agents and the cops and everybody have to find I love that story <laughs> <laughs> I will reread that one very cool. who is your favorite author Um, that's hard. That is very hard. My favorite author of MF romances. My God, I don't know. <laughs> Everyone always gets stumped with this question. Because it's hard. It's like, okay, my favorite author of MM romances is probably going to be easier. It would probably be Tal Bauer. He is superlative. But then, you know, he's just superlative. Um, MF, J.R. Ward. I love her books, but I also love um, the one that wrote um the story about the breeds there are two different sets of breed stories one is by maya i can't remember her last name i can look it up because i know whenever i put it in google and i'm trying to find it google says oh you mean this one or you mean this one i mean this one <laughs> oh. <laughs> um let me put in the breeds and see what comes up i don't want images please go away i want all Let's do the breeds. One of them is Maya. Um, um, okay, Karen, you know you can't spell, right? But it's all good. <laughs> That's what spell check is for. We don't need to know how to spell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. One is by Laura Lee. She, Laura Lee writes one set of the breed romances and the other one is by Maya. Why can't I find her? Breed romance books, Maya, not- You dreamed, Angelou. You, you dreamed her. Maya Angelou. <laughs> Maya Angelou, that would be funny. <laughs> Maya Banks. Maya Banks. Yeah. I love her stories. I love J.R. Ward stories. Um, and Laura Lee. I love Sherilyn Kenyon stories. Yeah, I don't have a favorite. I have a lot of favorites. <laughs> it's like yeah. a whole bookshelf of favorites. I love, La I love Lauren, L Lauren Blakely. I listen to her stories. Oh, that Show English guy, what's his name? Um, Shane East. 
<laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you what a narrator can do for a story. Oh my okay. God. What and about Sebastian York? Oh, that voice. <laughs> Kill me now. He's so good. Oh my He's goodness. Good. So yeah, there's a lot of, yeah. Can you tell it's hard for me to choose favorites? Yes, which I appreciate thoroughly because I think it sometimes is hard to choose favorites. What about, um, do you have a favorite uh, beverage when you're reading? I'm These days I'm all about the water because I'm told that the older you get is the less you hydrate because you don't feel thirsty. So I'm all about drinking the water just to keep. Yeah, I want to live as long as my parents. My parents lived to be in their 90s. I would like to last that long. You know what's so interesting to me is when you hear about these people that live to be 100 and 110 and whatever, and they're not like vegan lifestyle who are running every day. They're like smoking 10 packs a day, doing it, and you just gotta go. Okay, it can't be health related. Yeah, it's gotta be. It was just their time. They're like this cigarette's keeping me alive. Seriously, it's it's interesting. Um, okay, so what about um, a movie where they made a book out of, uh, sorry, a movie out of one of the books that you like? Where did they do a good job? This is really hard because I don't watch a lot of movies. <laughs> um, trying to think what movie that uh, was made of a book I've read. I read Beloved, I saw the movie. I read The Color Purple, I saw the movie. I really can't say, of all the ones that I'm thinking of, um, um, these are all books that I taught in high school or college. Um, I really can't say that any of them were as good as the book. I mean, The Scarlet Letter, um, um, The Great Gatsby, they had good parts, but I still prefer the book. I don't find that any of them were done as much justice as I would have expected. And I think in a way that's probably unfair to the, to the movie makers because a book is very different from a movie. Okay. Uh, and, you know, that's why if I wanted to write for a movie, I'd have to learn how to write screenplays because a screenplay is not a novel. Right. And I, so I feel like in a lot of ways, the, it's, it's an unfair kind of comparison to make. It's like apples and oranges. Sure, they're both fruit, but one is an apple and one's an orange. They're not the same thing, you know? That's okay, why I always- I'm gonna put logic that. into this. It's gonna make the question not nearly as much fun as it was. I'm sorry, but that's the way my head works. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm gonna ask one final question and then Bo, do you have a good one or do you want to go before me? I'll go before you because I probably don't have a good one. Okay. If you had to dedicate a book to a celebrity, who would it be? If I had to dedicate a book to a celebrity, who would it be? Well, first I'd have to pick a book. One of any book or one of my books? One of your books. Let's say back at last. 
back at last. Who would I dedicate back at last to? <sighs> Lord. I love You're stumping kidding. people. <laughs> yeah, no, I got to really think. I'm like, celebrity, celebrity. Mm. Um, I don't know. Um, what musician do I like a lot? Who's still alive? What dead musician? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, which celebrity? Does it have to be a musician? No, it could be anybody. Um, yeah, any celebrity. Okay. Again, this is just, this is who is popping into my brain. This isn't really, doesn't have any thoughtfulness attached to it. Um, so I'm, I like Tom Selleck. Oh, yes. And so if I could dedicate, I don't know why he would like Back at Last, but I, I suppose I would dedicate <laughs> Back at Last to him. <laughs> Maybe he just motivated you. He just motivated you to write it. You were thinking of him while you're doing it. I wasn't thinking of him at all. <laughs> but I love Tom Selleck, so. I appreciate Tom Selleck as well, especially uh, Magnum P.I. Tom Selleck in the little shorts. <laughs> right? <laughs> Big fan. Big fan. Okay. So um, my question for you to wrap this up is if you could be any magical or fantastical creature, what would you be and why? She's thinking there's not a lag in the podcast. <laughs> Just letting everybody know what the science is. I am thinking, yes, I am thinking. A magical or fantastical creature. I was going to say dragon, but I don't want to be a lizard. <laughs> <laughs> Although I am going to write a story about dragons, but I don't want to be a lizard. Um, I don't want to be undead, so we can't do vampires. I don't know. Maybe a, a I maybe elven. Okay. Because they're humanoid, but magical. I like it. I like it. So I could keep my humanness and still be a magical person. I like that you said humanness. I think that's adorable. Yeah, <laughs> not my humanity. That's a whole other thing. That's too serious. Way too serious. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that so much. Okay. Um, shameless self-promotion time. Where can people find you in your books? People can find me on my um and my books on Amazon, on Audible for Back to Love, and on 400 places worldwide according to erica who knows what they all are i only know book i only know kobo and barnes and noble and monte something or the other montelari i think in italy or something but or erica knows all the rest of them i don't i'm apologize start listing erica i wish i knew all the rest of them i just know they're out there because there's a million book sites whether it's ebooks 
or print books. And you can always go to a local library and ask for your books and they will get them if they don't already have them. Or you can ask your local little bookstore for them because if you want Katie Bond's books and you're in your little bookstore, just say, hey, can you order her books? And they will order them because they can get them that yep. way too. See, I should go to my local bug. bookstore and go, can you order some books for me? Well, what Here's about my... social media? Where do people find you? On social media, you can find me on, tw on Twitter, on TikTok, though I haven't been there in a while, uh, on Facebook, where I spend most of my time, and on Instagram. Katie Bond, author Katie Bond is where you'll find me every time. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. Thank you for inviting me. This was great fun, even though all of these favorite questions were difficult. <laughs> That's okay. You survived. You did well. I'm proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, guys, this has been Drinking with Authors Literary Briefs. I've been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today is the amazing Bo Lake. Do not forget to like, subscribe, leave us a review, leave us a comment. We'd love to hear what you think, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.